0: Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and I'm joined by people again this week. Yes. Joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I'm on the couch. That's, that's true. That's true. Doesn't really mean anything for you people at home, but it is true. Normally
1: I'm in a chair, but now I'm on a couch. You feel this is an upgrade? Uh, well, you yeah, just
0: needed to lay down. I I
1: know it's an this. upgrade. <laughs> Glenn's wisdom I'm is going to m- be really relaxed tonight. Exactly right. That's that's, right. that's my main point.
0: I think instead of throwing to him on the questions, I'm just going to cross my legs and look at him and go, "How does this question make you feel, Glenn?"
2: <laughs> <laughs> mm.
0: Also joining us is the director of Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer. Greetings, Internet.
2: Okay, I had a very like all Rogers. Intro to it.
3: Welcome to the world of tomorrow. <laughs> well, well, that was one of those moments where I needed to say something loud to make sure that my microphone level was set up properly, and, you know, <laughs> that just seemed like the way to go.
0: We're getting a lot of peek behind the curtain this week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what was the- <laughs> Also joining what? us, Solid Mercury, Tennessee, one of the pastors at Christ Community Church, Lee Younger.
2: Hey there. And why was it that back in the day on television, like, everybody everybody spoke really loudly? Like you know, well, it was I can like, give it, you an actual... There's, like, an, an actu- actual reason for that?
3: Yeah, actually. Basically, microphone technology has improved a lot, um, and and particularly the the way you process it after the fact. Yeah. So uh, back in the day, in order to get it to work properly, they just had to be loud, um, which is why everything felt overcooked all the
2: time. So, so it's just like a a news bulletin coming your way. Y- yeah, exactly right. Exactly right.
0: See, Jed, that's a very uh, a very clear, well-defined, technologically sound answer. But I choose to believe that everything was just much more dramatic. Yeah. That's the way people had just everyday conversations. <laughs>
2: We're out of milk. <laughs> Henry Aaron breaks Maybe. the home run record. <laughs> it has to sure, be, that's it how has they would just say it to fast. each other.
3: Exactly right. Exactly right. Well, hey,
0: man, it's like a week till Christmas. It is a week till Christmas. We hope everybody's holding up. We hope our special Christmas survival kit last week helped out. Mm-hmm. Some well, cool it's, songs. It,
1: it's a week until Christmas <laughs> as we're recording this. Right. But okay. not. But not when they're hearing it. No. It could be any time when they're hearing well, it. Well, let me tell you what. It could be a week from Christmas in the year 3000. <laughs> so that's uh, that's, we don't know. You, you raise a good point. Because uh, that's the nature of podcasting.
3: Do you have some old-timey wisdom you'd like to give for future Christmas?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, like an old vintage wisdom Sure, that I, I would give for
0: Christmas. Or do Christmas. you care to make wild speculations on what future Christmas is going to be like? <laughs> yeah, I do.
1: I think in the future, in the distant future, uh, Christmas will be uh the day where you take all of your money and you wait in the l- longest line possible okay. okay and you uh receive uh gifts that no one would want and and then you <laughs> gather with your family and it is a dog pile of passive aggressive <laughs> comments it just all increases until it just reaches a peak i think you're describing the once and future christmas yeah well
0: some things never change
1: yeah and then like 10 years after that uh it's like mad max where you're just all everyone's (laughs) christmas dome everyone's listening living in the desert and Compi- they're fighting over gasoline and things. Is it
3: possible that the event that led to the Mad Max scenario was the release of the PlayStation 12? Yes. And the cyber riots reached such a, a, a zenith that it just, everything, society fell apart. Yeah. Because of a video game system. Yeah, that's but almost certain. Here's the
2: thing, though, is with the Mad Max scenario, nobody ever explained why people are wearing, like, American football shoulder pads in the desert. Oh, you raised a good point.
3: You raised a very yeah, good point.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think, uh, uh, guys, if if you're looking at sort of a post-apocalyptic uh, financial collapse, societal meltdown, generally speaking, uh, I think you want as much padding as you can get.
3: Well, I, I think I could, I could posit a theory. I mean, I think that they were like that because they were all dressed up to get those Black Friday sales. Right. They they wanted oh. to be prepared, and then that just yeah. that just bled one thing to another. But here's the thing: is I didn't have to do any of that because I my holiday shopping's done. Oh, nice. really? I'm I'm also, I was responsible. I planned ahead. I'm squared away, dude.
0: You've also alienated enough people in your life that that list is relatively small at this point. Well, there's also that, but which you, was a strategic move. Don't absolutely me wrong. right. But I'm I'm done,
3: baby. I'm done. I'm all it's all hooked up.
0: That's I, the thing. I'm done as well. As we were talking about before the show, most of my holiday shopping involves. My family member sending me a thing they want, and I buy it on Amazon and ship it to my parents' house, which really works out well
2: for me. Nice. Lee,
0: you have small children and many close friends. How are we doing on the holiday shopping?
2: Uh, I'm 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 squared away, man. I'm done. I, I've got it. I've got it all taken care of. I haven't wrapped everything yet, but I, you know, what we we still have a few days to to get all that done. So I'm not that worried about it. Sure,
0: sure
3: so you're sure. just totally cool and show and relax,
2: ready to go. I mean, I got to wrap some stuff up, but that's about it.
0: Sure, sure. Both literally and figuratively. Uh, Glenn, I assume we're, we're all squared away? Well, um, hmm. It's
1: a bit of a pause there, Glenn. Actually, pertaining to this. Sure. I would like to declare an emergency. Oh, oh my, my goodness. It's a Christmas emergency. Um, here's what's happened, and this is not entirely unheard of as it pertains to me is I have done exactly zero okay. shopping on okay. the 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 Christmas giving. Mhm. Now, uh I would like to say that that is a protest <laughs> against the materialization that's happening with Christmas because Jesus is the reason for the season, y'all. Yeah. yeah. Okay? <laughs> I would like to say that's the reason why Sure. The, um, but that
0: moral stance would also mean not accepting any gifts, and that's really you. not a world we're gonna live in.
1: Hey, uh, you know what? It's Christmas time. Ta- up. Time for me to cash in.
0: Uncle Glenn got to get his.
1: That I c- come forth with the loot. <laughs> just, okay,
0: this not was... L U T. Don't bring that in here. <laughs> yeah, no. Boring. Yeah, no, not with that. Just as a side
3: note for people on the internet, yeah. if you want to make Glenn like just really happy, I'm not. This is not a joke. Right. Any form of swag, yes, giveaways from yes. hotels, conferences, yeah. airlines, yeah, free loot of any kind,
1: yeah.
0: If you send that to Glenn, he will be a happy, happy I, man. I actually,
1: that's a hundred percent true.
0: Which brings to one of my favorite stories, and I can't think of a way to tell you to tell the story without giving it away. So I'll just you, you can tell. It was a uh, Jane is Glenn's wife who has had a number of corporate jobs which involve going to conferences right. and Glenn demand swag right so there was a time she came back with they these used to be relatively popular it's a little like three colored highlighter mm. it's a little triangle right yeah, yeah. so she came back and ho- was holding it in her hands in a way that you could kind of only see one of the colored tips and turned to Glenn look isn't this cool and Glenn thought it was a pregnancy test <laughs> yeah <laughs> look 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 it's
1: exciting it's exciting. <laughs> look what i got for you and i stopped breathing for two minutes
0: so present your swag present your swag responsibly is what we're saying
1: exactly right i i do love swag um but what about swag for other people glenn
0: well that's christmas generally
1: speaking i'm much less interested in that i see uh there's not quite the incentive you know
3: now, do you do you have a strategy? I mean, time's kind of running out there, bud. You... Yeah.
1: Uh, well, uh, uh, it, if it was, if I were to use a sports analogy, yeah. I'm kind of running out the clock. I see. Okay. I see. So I'm stalling. It's a stall tactic. Okay. Okay. You're doing uh, old
0: pre-shot clock basketball where you just score one layup and then try to hold the ball for the next 50 yeah, minutes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Here's, here's yeah. my thinking on this, though, Glenn. I mean, one of the things that's been a hallmark of the way that you not only run your organization, but the way you do your ministry is that you have every, everything lined out in these transferable concepts, you know, these ministry principles mm-hmm. that guys you disciple, they can they can turn around and say them. I mean, it's almost like they can read your mind and because you've taught them all the stuff. Why isn't it one of those deals where the guys that work for you just know what the people on your list would want and they would go buy that stuff for you wrap it up and, that, and sign it from glenn you know what this is a the
1: probably the smartest thing i've ever heard well, i life. would
0: like to counter lee <laughs> sowing the seeds of descent yeah thanks lee by pointing out a tom i think you listen to the show if lee really cared he would probably do that for the people on your list oh burn.
2: also i just want to point out one of the main Dude, don't go shrapnel on this thing. Don't just go hey, scorched earth. You
0: you started it. I'm going to finish it. <laughs> um, but also, one of the key people Glenn has, maybe the only key person Glenn has to buy for his wife, right. is let's say Jane opened a, a present. Uh, this is this is exactly what I wanted. It's very thoughtful. Right. And it came out later that someone had bought that as your proxy. How right. would that
1: go? Well, now I'm going to explain this to you now. Uh, if my wife opened a present, from me yeah and it was the perfect gift and she loved it she'd know for sure <laughs> someone else bought that <laughs> that would be no doubt in that woman's mind whatsoever it would immediately be suspect who bought this gift what's happening here i want to know and would be checking
2: the online credit card things and whatever <laughs> and would know exactly. I have one more question about this whole conundrum, of yeah. this whole emergency, which is the problem that you seem to be presented with, Glenn, is that you haven't, just, you haven't even started your holiday shopping, right? Correct. But the problem here is that when it comes to holidays and gift-giving occasions, uh-huh. your track record is that you always win. Correct. Mm. So, well, at the very least, he loudly
0: declares victory.
3: Well, I, I think right. I can give a peek behind the curtain. I think I know how Glenn will pull this off. Yeah. is uh, Glenn uh, has learned a technique, which is very valuable. I've used it as well, where you, you go to the store that has the things ladies would like. Right. You know, it's the, the bath and body works. right. You right. know, the... Whatever you, you have, you know, but a store that sells, you know, goods that women might enjoy. With the,
1: with the naughty underwear. Sure,
3: absolutely. That. Any of those, the underwear store. You take a bunch of uh, whatever money you got. You right. kind of crumple it up. Right. Put it, you got both hands right. held out, you know, like, like a, a Dickensian pauper boy. Right, right. You put all that money crumpled up in your hands. So you walk in and you look for the first sales attendant. Right. You say, pretty lady.
1: That's exactly what is, I
3: say. Is, is this enough money? enough crumpled money to buy a
1: gift for my pretty wife you, man, here's what's, here people are at home are listening to this and they think that's a joke well, that's not a joke <laughs> i that is as that is eerily close to exactly what's going on. well happen.
0: that's not just gift giving that's a Glen, an uncle glenn approved strategy yeah because i've been driving glenn to the airport before here in chicago and said well okay we'll drop you off what gate are you on i don't really know right whatever it is that i really checked Right. Well, what are you gonna do? So I'm gonna look befuddled and adorable, and just find the first woman about my wife's age I can. Right. And appeal to her maternal senses for help. <laughs> That's
1: exactly. <laughs> everywhere I go, it pretty. Excuse me, pretty lady. Where? How can I get to where? Look. And I just hold out my my information on the ticket or whatever, and just let them work it out. You know, I don't. Yeah. So I just go to the to to the underwear store. Yeah, you know, because to me, here's the problem I have: if I pick it out, I wanna I wanna pay by the yard. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I pick up some of them, and there's almost no. I, I can
0: get forty feet of burlap for the same. The, price, exactly so what, what I'm idea. trying
1: to talk about. So you know, to me, I don't <laughs> understand the how do we calculate the price if it's not based on you know square A bolt yardage of Absolutely. Yeah. So I so so you know I I tell them here's here's what I'm working with, my wife is classy and sophisticated and has taste and all that. So you got to hook me up with that. Yeah. And then you know, that's what that's what happens. Yeah. And yeah. but usually I screw it up somehow. Do you? Oh, with the yeah, always.
3: Well, how how would that happen? Clint? Well, Do
1: we have okay. a
0: particular example.
1: Well, yeah. Here's what. Because here's my mentality is like uh, Jane. Sometimes Jane will tell me, so that way I can't sure, screw it up. Sure. Or in her mind, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm am going to finally beat this thing. So uh, one year she said, "I want one of them George Foreman's grills." Sure. You know what I mean? Will you put it on there and you t- put the lid on it and mash it sure. and it he you know cooks it right? She said, "I want one of those." And I want one of those cute little ones. So so she showed me the picture. It's a cute little. And it just sits on their countertop, and you just make a little paninis, fun colors, yeah, whatever, something, you know. And I just because it's so cute and it's adorable, and I can just store it easily and whatever. So I get to the store and I find it, you know, and that, and I'm I'm picking it up to buy it, and then I say, you know what, to myself, this George Foreman that I'm looking at is for losers. Okay, okay. Let me
0: guess. I haven't heard the story before. Did you decide to supersize it? supersize this. Okay.
1: Cuz I'm not getting see in my mind if you get the smallest one, that means you have the smallest amount of love for your woman. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to prove a point. Sure. Here. Okay. Even
2: though she specifically told you what she wants.
1: Even though that's she thinks that's what she wants. But <laughs> hey, I'm not going out like that. Mm. If I just get her what she asked for, then I'm at break even. Sure. Absolutely. I got to win. Sure. You understand? Know I got to get a gift that says to her in the Christmas spirit, in your face, you're, you're saying that you're more giving a gift at her exactly than a gift right. to her. Exactly right. Okay. So I got a giant George <laughs> Foreman thing. It was huge. Yeah. It. And this is not a joke. It was so big that when you lifted the lid on it, you could it would bang into the cupboard. <laughs> Did and it, you couldn't get it open to put stuff in it did it require a 220 volt circuit to run and put something like that yeah and my poor wife is looking at this thing and trying to figure out what's wrong with me and, and she looks at me <laughs> with that look and i said you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> yeah in your face <laughs> then she took it back to target got the one that she wanted and then had a little extra left over, and everybody wins that's how you win at Christmas. That's how you win at Christmas. Well, I think with
0: that kind of strategy, we can officially declare this emergency over. I think we've solved it. Well, on that basis, I declare emergency off. Indeed. All right. We're going to move on. Ho, we ho, want ho. to remind you, one of our special Christmas uh, gifts to you here at Say That World Headquarters is if you sign up for Bridgebox, you get a free Christmas EP of songs that Jed has written, Lee has written, recorded by some of our friends, including Zach and Haley. From Nashville, we've got uh, Lee, did cover of a great old Christmas hymn from the American Civil War called I Heard the Bells, which has gotten quite a little bit of traction on Tumblr. People seem to be enjoying that. So if you sign up right now for either the original Bridgebox, Mission U- Bridgebox Classic, MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox is $8 a month. You get songs, sermons, Bible studies, devotionals, videos, lots of extra little goodies to help you in your walk. Or you can sign up for the Bridgebox Lee Younger version, which is a brand new song from Lee every month, along with a little intro video, chords, and... uh a selection of bridge box stuff that Lee has picked to include in his bridge box. So that's missionusa.com B-B-L-Y. Same thing, $8. Or if you want both of them or if you're already signed up for one and want the other, you can email me, Matt, at missionusa.com. I'll send you a special link to get both of those for $12 a month. And remember, this month, we'll run this through the end of the year. Sign up free christmas ep and if you want to hear a preview of some of those songs you can listen to the say that christmas special we put out last week which features three of those songs and a bonus little audio devotional from glenn Uh uh-huh oh and
1: shout out to miss bridey oh yeah from tell tell them what happened
3: well we'll we'll, uh, give you guys a bit more on this soon but we're approaching a very important anniversary in this podcast. Whoa. Very important. Big deal. Whoa. I mean, you you know, you put a one and two zeros in front of that and, and you'd have the exact number of episodes we'll have made at that point. My totally. point is, uh, Bridie, uh, say that super fan and all around awesome gal, yeah. New Zealander, um, sent Kiwi. us custom
0: M&Ms.
1: Wow.
3: That's yeah. right. Any, any
0: fool Deal with it. have
3: M&M's. Right,
1: right. That's almost nothing.
0: I Jed, I feel like you're discouraging people from sending us M&M's by calling them fools. We will take any kind of candy you want to send, that, customized or not. That's technically true.
3: Well, it is technically true, but, but here's the thing, if I may, is Joel Osteen has M&M's. Right. Sure. Okay. But Joel Osteen, he doesn't have... Custom brighty M Ms.
1: He definitely does not have any New Zealand custom designed M Ms with words on it from the podcast
0: How's it taste, Osteen? I oh, look. I'm going to say on this, that. and people are going to assume that I'm saying something negative. I'm not. I'm just observing a fact. Right. Based on the the immaculate state of his teeth, yeah, Joe Osteen does not bite into hard shell covered candies. <laughs> that's
1: you know yeah, what. That's true. There's some very sound logic. You gotta there. take
0: care of them. That's
1: the yeah. moneymaker. Let, let, let I, me add one that.
2: more thing to this. We will uh we will take any kind of wonderful treats that you send to us. We'll be grateful. We'll enjoy those. For any podcast listener that wants to show us love in that way. But I will say this podcast listeners from Canada, do not send Glenn Canadian bacon. Period. Must
0: we do this again? Yeah. Don't do tell you that. What,
1: don't do that. It, don't. Don't the do rant, that. you will you know please. it's ham. I know it's him. Stop with the lies.
2: I also want to point
0: out, since we're giving shout-outs to people, we have a our friend who is actually from Canada who's recently moved to Chicago to go to law school It's helps out the bridge, Brother Woody Woo. Right. And just so you know, Glenn does this rant at him in person. Yeah, he does. That's
1: absolutely true. He, yeah.
0: We we had our staff Christmas party yesterday. Last night. We invited Woody because he'd been helping out. He'd been driving the people. He's been doing a lot of good work. And Glenn just went on a five-minute rant about Canadian Thanksgiving being at the wrong time.
1: Well, it's not—it's not a Thanksgiving, so you—you you can't just make up your own Thanksgiving. And you can't then, just give thanks all willy-nilly. Hey, that ain't—that right. ain't—you know what—that ain't cool. Yeah.
0: All right. Now that we've mixed in some national nationalist <laughs> animosity. <laughs> and in my attempt at a plug, it's probably time to get to the wisdom. We're going to go to our first question here. If you hang out with us all the way to the end, we'll give you a way to get in touch with this. This came into our Tumblr from our friend Kate Finder. It says, how do I learn how to trust God to provide? I'm considering some very serious career-based choices that will bring about a lot of benefits, experience, and knowledge, but will also come with many challenges, loneliness, and uncertainty, due to the short-lived nature of the assignments in the occupation, I know that God can use this opportunity in more ways than I can name, but I have trouble with trusting God and I'm worried that this will hamper my ability to see what God is doing. Glenn, can you kick us off?
1: You bet. Uh, a lot of people, a lot, a lot, a lot of people uh, have, pr- you know, problems trusting God. Uh, the rest of them that don't have problems trusting god are not even trying to trust god yeah that's the truth uh there's very little uh of i'm gonna put it all on the line because i know god wants me to do it and we'll see what happens there's a great deal of pragmatic thinking and practical thinking and uh, hedging your bets and covering your behind and a lot of that that's happening out there sometimes that's what god wants you to do so that's all good but um uh, speaking as someone who's stepped out uh, and just absolutely needed God to provide, uh, I can tell you that was a very lonely and scary moment, and I didn't have a lot of people around me that knew what that was all about. Uh, so you're you're not alone in that, uh, having struggles with that. Uh, the next thing is you ask, uh, how do I learn how to trust God? And you don't uh, learn that you choose it. Uh, the learning part is how to follow through with that you yeah. know how to live with that choice um, and uh, uh, you know uh, so in other words it, it starts with making a decision that you know to not be rational and logical and practical uh, you're making a decision that's of the heart that's um, uh, something that you believe to be true uh, on a spiritual level that God's got your back that he uh, handles all these things. Uh, and it's about f- being able to follow through with that choice and living with the worry, living with fear and, and, and doubt and all those things, and how do we handle that on a daily basis? The devil will bring in those temptations. How do we give those things up to the Lord? Um, that's really where the learning process comes in, uh, and I, I would definitely uh, suggest you talk to someone who has stepped out in faith in that kind of way, and it may take some, some searching yeah. to find somebody. The last thing, and, and this really to me is the key thing of what you're talking about here. You say, you know, uh, th- this path that you're choosing, this career, is going to have a lot of loneliness and uncertainty. Here's the thing about that. You know, you're you're in the student thing, doing the student deal, uh, really, uh, you know, you're doing a good job at that. You're looking forward to your career, and you're realizing now that things are going to change. You're going from that student world to the work world. Now here's the here's the thing I want to tell you about that. All of the school all the 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 skills that you use to be good at school are almost universally not transferable to any other area in life. The the premise that a lot of us work on is if I'm really good at being a student, I'll be really good at being an employee, I'll be really good at being a wife or husband, I'll be really good at being uh, a Christian, uh, you know, whatever, uh, here's the thing, uh, 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 being in a collegiate environment, and being a student involves onboarding a ton of information, then regurgitating that quickly and then moving on to something else. Uh, it's a great skill to have. You will undoubtedly use that here and there. Uh, but generally speaking, most everything about your life moving forward, is about relationships Uh, that's relationships Mm -hmm. of course starting with the Lord uh, relationships with the opposite sex and yeah even in your job you may really need to have a lot of skill at forming relationships and bonds with other people in your work environment so when you talk about loneliness and uncertainty that actually is the whole thing about leaving school everything is uncertain the thing about being a student is if you get the answer right they have to give you that grade Mm -hmm. The thing about being in the work environment is you can go in, make a presentation to your boss, and this presentation will be the thing that will save this company and keep it from going under and all of that. Pass. <laughs> yeah, and the, the boss says, nah, I don't like it. And you know what? I don't like your face either. You're fired. And that's it. it, it you, you could be right in every way and it counts for nothing. That's how the world works. So you're really leaving, a, a, you're entering a world where everything works differently than where you were at. Uh, and I think it's absolutely r- good and right for you to focus on trust. I think you're really smart to be looking at that and to say, you know, hey Lord, uh, uh, I need to to uh, recognize that I'm in a world where anything and everything can happen, and I need to know that you have my back and that I'm doing what you want me to be doing.
0: Absolutely, Jed.
3: Well, okay, we really appreciate you writing in, and we really appreciate your question. I want to pick right up where Glenn left off, because I think that's so key. One of the things that I think Christians get confused about a lot is the idea that there is safety outside of what God's asking you to do. Right. yeah. Yeah. That you know what God wants you to do is this weird, crazy, dangerous option, and your plans are the safe ones.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, here's the truth, and this may sound a bit like bad news. There's very good news waiting at the end of it. The bad news is uh, there's no such thing as safety and security in this world, right? Uh, at right. all, right. none. Uh, one of the things that I, I think has kind of messed with the brains of a lot of us is that. We uh, kind of came up, depending on how old you are, we kind of came up at the tail end of something of a historical aberration. The, uh, at least in America, the idea of um, a middle class where if you just play by the rules and do what you're supposed to, everything will work out for you. Right. And life will be comfortable and whatnot. That's never really existed in history. Right. Um, and it's actually kind of drawing to a close, at least in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And um, what it's returning to is the idea of, as Glenn was just saying, the world doesn't owe you anything. Right. Uh, the world is, is cold and hard and unforgiving. Nobody cares if you do the right stuff or not. Um, you know, if somebody thinks they can make a buck by firing you, believe it, they'll fire yeah. you tomorrow. Oh, yeah. that's, that's the nature of, of the world. So I think one thing that we want to look at and this is and, and understand what we're talking about here almost never gets discussed in church ever. Um, but one of the things we want to be clear at is outside of the Lord, there is no such thing as safety and security. That right. just that does not exist. There's denial. And there's not wanting to think about the bad possibilities, but that's not the same as safety and security. And you may note that Jesus talked about this exact topic. Uh, He told stories about people kind of storing up goods for the future and being smart, and God coming to them and being very less than impressed with those decisions. But I think the other thing that we want to look at with you is that what God is offering you is a get-to rather than a have-to. See, I think it's it's easy to say, well, I've got a plan that would be comfortable and safe and warm, and it, it actually wouldn't. It wouldn't be any of those things. And I have this Christian duty over on the side that I should probably go do because it would be bad for me not to. But I think that's the wrong way of looking at it. If you can dig what I'm saying, it sounds like what the Lord has before you is adventure. And that's something <clears throat> worth taking hold of. If you took what you would consider to be the safe option i can't guarantee that doom would happen and i hope it wouldn't but what i can guarantee would happen is unbelievable boredom yeah i mean mm-hmm. just unbelievable mind numbing boredom i um you know I, I, a lot of my classmates that I went to school with most of them as you might suspect you know did very traditional things when they when they left school and they're all bored out of their minds now yeah i mean they're they're all they're all just bored to tears and um that's that's the way the world works um, is the closest thing we have to security is also just mind-numbingly boring. And what the Lord's asking, or rather what the Lord's offering you here it sounds like anyway, is something where there would be adventure and excitement. and yeah, there'd be ups and downs, there'd be challenges, there'd be you know obstacles you'd have to climb over or climb around. but there would be there would be a narrative to it. there would be a sense of, of story, there would be an arc and, and excitement. and my friend, that's that's worth having. Um, that's not um, a consolation prize that you get for laying right. down the, the, the sweet, sweet stability of suburban life. That's the whole thing. Yeah. That's, that's worth getting out of bed in the morning. What the Lord would almost certainly lead you to is a place where that adventure that you have in your life is benefiting other people and serving other people and helping other people. And if you put those two things together, that sense of adventure and that sense of service, you will never regret that decision. Uh, you will never in your life regret um, going with God's option as opposed to the safe option. Let me say one more thing real quick, and, and then I'm done. It echoes one of the first things Glenn said. Trust is a decision.
1: Yeah.
3: Trust is not a feeling. And yeah. I think Christians are not clear on that a lot. Um, uh, trust, when I say it's a decision, suppose I say to you, I will pick you up at 930. If you trust me, you are ready to go at 930. You have right. your coat on, you're waiting outside your house. If you don't trust me, you're not waiting outside your house. That's a decision that you made to plan Mm -hmm. on whether or not Jed would be at your house at 9.30. And now you would have feelings about it. You, You might say, I've had people stand me up before, so I don't know. But at the end of the day, you either got your coat on and went to the door at 9.30 or you didn't. That's what it's like to trust another human being. It's a decision. Well, it's the same thing with God. To trust God does not mean an absence of negative feelings about the possibilities.
1: Amen.
3: At all. Right. Um, whenever God asks me to do something outlandish, which is, let's be honest, pretty regular. A lot. Yeah. Um, um, I have all kinds of feelings of I don't want to, and this sounds terrible, and right. I object, and I don't right. like it. But the thing, um, what allows me to <laughs> to do the work that, that we all do is that at 930 I'm waiting at the door with my coat on. Right. Um, And that being honest about those feelings is, is how I'm able to get to that point. Going to him and saying out loud, I don't like it, and I don't want it, and I think it sounds dumb, and I can't, and I wouldn't, and I don't. And and here's the thing is the Lord has never, uh, as I've listened to his response, he's never had a problem with any of that. He's never been mad at me. He's never looked down on me. Uh, And when you read the Bible, I'd encourage you, go read the story of Moses in the burning bush. Mm -hmm. Um, God said, I got something for you to do. I want want you to go talk to Pharaoh for me. Well, trust is either Moses is going to show up in Egypt or he's not. That's trust. But getting there starts with saying, this sounds like a terrible idea. Yeah, you picked the wrong dude. I can't,
1: I, I can't do the talking part.
3: I ain't it. And that's exactly what Moses did. Right. And God worked with him in the midst of that. Yep, in the midst yep. of that doubt and that protest so that he could make that decision of trust. Of, okay, you can do the same thing. We believe in you.
0: Amen.
2: Absolutely. Lee? Well, um... I'm I'm really thankful that you wrote this question, in. I'm thankful not just because it's something that you're dealing with, but I know a lot of people that listen to this show are, are having some of these same feelings, and so it's awesome to get to talk about this. And one thing that we do want to say in the middle of this, to kind of go right at the end of what Jeb was just saying there, is that being afraid about your options doesn't mean that you failed. Amen. It, being afraid of what's coming feeling unsure, um, you know, being nervous about it, waking up in the middle of the night, you know, waking up at three in the morning and freaking out, that doesn't mean that you suck as a Christian. It doesn't mean that you don't trust God. It doesn't mean any of those things. It doesn't say anything about you. It means that you're a normal human being who's getting ready to try something hard. Um, I I would tag on to the story about Moses by looking at the story of Gideon, you know, in the Old Testament where God mm-hmm. said, uh, you know, he, he, he said to this guy, he said, I've got a job for you to do. And Gideon said, well, <clears throat> I want you to prove to me that, <laughs> that you want me to do it. And so God did. Yeah. And then Gideon said, tell you what, I want you to take that proof that you did and flip it on its head and make it even more <laughs> awesomer than it was the first time. Right. And so uh, supersize the proof, you know. And Look, uh, and and just as Jed's saying, God is not impatient with this kind of reaction. He's not upset about that. He can handle all that stuff. He can handle you saying, "I need you to show me that that I can trust you, and I and I need to I need to know that you've gotten people through stuff like this before." I love that th- Glenn kind of glanced at this thing that was such a key part of of the stuff that he was laying down, which is. Ask the Lord to show you somebody in your life. Find somebody at your church, or find somebody in a mission organization, or something like that, who has trusted God to do hard, adventurous, difficult stuff. Yeah, and and sit down with them and say, "I'm gonna. I'd love to buy you a sandwich. I'd love to buy your lunch. And I just want to ask you what it's like to." To trust God. You know, find somebody who's, you know, hopefully your church supports some missionaries. When one of them's in town, ask them if you can take them out for lunch after church and just ask them to tell you stories about what it was like to, to trust God when it was hard and, and what did they learn in the middle of that. And the last thing I would say on this is the thing that you need to do wh- before you've got to jump with both feet, you know, off the cliff into this huge adventurous decision is. Ask the Lord to show you some small things that you can trust Him in that are a little bit scary, because one thing that would really help is just some reps. I mean, repetitions. Just do this some ask God to give you something that you can trust Him in, something that maybe freaks you out. Maybe it's, maybe it's some little service project. Maybe it's, you know, uh, yeah, going yeah. out and helping out at the, the homeless shelter. You'd never done anything like that before. Going to an old folks' home and asking them if you could, you know, volunteering at a hospital, doing something outside of your box that would require some trust from you or some provision from God. Something small where you can just get some reps in. And figure out what it would look like to serve God. So I, th- I think finding people who have done this, talking to them, getting some reps in, and knowing that that if you have if you're freaked out about it, that's totally okay. It doesn't mean that you've lost the battle. The you know if you if you're freaked out about it and you show up anyway, you're all the way there, and you're right up there with the with the hall of saints in the you know in in the biblical accounts of people who trusted God all the way with their lives.
0: It's absolutely a great point. We're going to move on to our next question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr. It says, I've been with this guy for over a year and a half. Over a year ago, he told me that he's been struggling with pornography. He's been very honest about it with me, and he's talked to a few older guys for advice. He's working on finding the best ways to discipline himself and getting accountability. I knew he was fighting it, so I stayed with him. But we're starting to talk about engagement. Do you think this could really work if we got married? Or has the presence of porn doomed it from the start? Ed, can you start us off? I can't.
3: Th- uh, Darlon. thank you very much for your question. Um, the presence of porn has not doomed your relationship um, at all. Hello. Uh, actually, if, if you can dig it, I think there's two things um, that we want to be very, very clear on here. The first is that um, what dooms relationships is people deciding that they're doomed. Um, <laughs> it's it's when, when, when the two people involved decide it, it can't be improved, that's when it's over. Doom! Doomed. the the second um you know and I, and I'll take you your word on everything you're saying here uh, the uh, if you found a dude who is upfront about his struggles right. is pressing himself to fix them yes. is getting counsel from Hello. older brothers in the lord is disciplining himself and getting accountability to be faithful on that i think you may have won the grand prize yeah this is the blue rhythm Lock it down. Yeah, that's that's it. It doesn't it doesn't get any better than that. What you could be dating instead, just to paint a picture for you, is a guy who is looking at pornography and lying about it. Hello. Um, um. One of the things that I think, um, darling, that we lose sight of a lot is that we live in an age where an infinite quantity of of uh, sexually explicit material of an infinite varieties is available. 24 hours a day, everywhere we go, um, between computers and smartphones and tablets and whatever, um, it's inescapable. What that means, and particularly for single folks, is everybody, everybody, everybody is looking at pornography. Right. Everybody. Yeah. Um, uh, if you are not, you don't say if you are or not, and, and there's a very large number of young women who do. If you're not, uh, darling, you're actually a bit in, in the minority there. Um it's not something for you to feel weird about, but just you know, if it, it sounds like you think you're. you're um, just he's for the perspective. Exception. Exactly right. Exactly. Pers- just for yeah. perspective, it's not,
2: yeah.
3: it sounds like you think maybe your boyfriend's kind of the odd man out. He's actually not. You you actually would be in the scenario, but here's here's the thing on it is, um, the idea of people being honest about their struggles, confronting them head on. Um, you know, saying, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this a day at a time, but I'm going to get advice, I'm going to get wisdom to go after it. That's it. That's, yep. And the thing is, that's the way, that's the model for what you'll want to see him do with everything
0: yes. in his life. thank you. S-
3: suppose for a second that the two of you get married, um, and, and I, I would strongly encourage you to not discount this dude that you're with. Um, suppose the two of you get married. You will discover things about each other that are problems. Because that is the nature of marriage. That will happen. Um, So let's say for a second that you discover that he struggles with impatience. Um, That he's just, you know, he ought to be more patient about things, more understanding about things. And it's easier for him to get impatient. All right. Well, for him to solve that impatience problem, he will need to do exactly what it is he's doing with this porn problem. He'll need to be honest about it. He'll need to talk to some older guys for advice. He'll need to work on finding the best ways to discipline himself and get accountability on it. He'll need to fight it. That's how you overcome a struggle. On the other side of that, what you will have is a very patient husband, which is, that's good for you. So I, the thing one I would say is it actually sounds, just so you know, like he's uh, doing exactly what he should be, and, and this is all really, really good stuff. The thing that I'd like to, to ask you to look at, and I mean this with all love and gentleness, is what's your sin? Right. Because you've got one. Right. He knows what his big struggle is. Do you know what yours is? Right. Because if you don't, that's a problem. Right. Now, I know that you're paying attention to the porn thing because people have made you afraid about it. I, I get that. Um, and you don't need to be afraid about it. Porn has not doomed your relationship. Porn does not have some sort of mystical power um, that, you know, just it's the porn demon. And right. then it gets in there. And, and now we can't have a good marriage anymore. That's, it's all over. That's not That's not how this how this works um, but if you have struggles in your life that you're not aware of and because you're not aware of you can't be doing anything about them that will cause problems in your marriage right if you've got great big blind spots about your own struggles and your own issues, that will inevitably cause huge problems in your marriage. One of the things that's a narrative that gets passed around a lot right now and it's really unfortunate because it's really false is that Christian marriages are composed of Christian wives. Who are cherubic Mm. and basically perfect and really just want to have Bible studies all day and and maybe sing some hymns together and just be there in a pink cloud of wonderfulness and dastardly, dastardly husbands who live for naught but the sweet embrace of naughty, naughty clown porn. Right, and that's what that's what a marriage is. Whatever the people are into. Whatever the people are into. Here, here's the thing, darling, that you need to know is you're both sinners. All right. You're both great big, scary, dirty sinners. And I know that because so am I and so are all of us. That's, that's what we've got down here. But if someone's convinced you that you're not, that you're basically squared away, but he's bad, that attitude will kill your marriage. Right. The, the porn won't, but that attitude will. That will right. absolutely deep-six it. So I think if you want to look at, are we ready for engagement? Is that something we want to think about? The thing I'd encourage you, and I mean this with all love and gentleness uh, and with respect, the thing I'd encourage you to look at is, what's your problem? What's your sin? What's your hang-up? And are you prepared to be as dedicated in going after that hang-up, that sin, that problem, as your boyfriend is in going yeah. after porn? And she's
1: got to be accountable, too, so like they're both working on their stuff simultaneously. That's exactly right. That's yeah. exactly
0: right. Absolutely. Lee?
2: Well, um, I, I totally agree with the, the things that Jeb was saying here. And And, you know, what's really interesting about this question is that this question is so— like your question is is awesome I and mean, it's so well composed, all the way through. And we're we're reading through it and we're just thinking, yeah, this is the blue ribbon dude. I mean, this is the way that you handle this thing. I knew that he was fighting and getting older guys, you know, getting accountability and asking people advice. And then as soon as you say the thing about engagement, you say, do you think this could really work if we're if we married? Or is the presence of porn doomed it from the start? It's like everything is this well-composed thing, and then all of a sudden, in the last sentence, we set fire to the whole school. Yeah, you know, right. uh, the presence of porn has doomed it from the start. Um, and no, it hasn't. And and uh, <clears throat> because, and I can tell you as a as a pastor, as somebody that's been a pastor for over a, well over a decade at this point, I've seen a lot of marriages make it through a lot of crazy stuff. Yeah. I mean yeah. crazy 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 stuff. And and I've seen a lot of marriages break up over stupid stuff. Mm. Uh, unbelievably tiny stuff. And the yeah. the the linchpin on either one of those scenarios, the either one of those outcomes is are these two people willing to look each other in the eye and say I will in humility and with all kinds of tenacity do whatever it takes to keep this relationship together.
3: Amen.
2: According to what God wants. If if two people are saying to each other, I am absolutely and completely committed to making this work according to exactly the way God wants it to be, and I am ready to be humble, and I'm ready to listen, I'm ready to communicate, I'm ready to work on my issues, I'm ready to help you see yours, I'm ready to do this thing with kindness, with honesty, with good, healthy boundaries, and great communication, and a lot of help, and a lot of every... You know, all this stuff. If people are... If two people are willing to do that, there is literally no ceiling on how good their marriage can be. I mean, it can just keep going all the way up for the rest of their lives. But if somebody says, nope, this is my thing, and, you know, I'm not willing to move past this then as jed said when they decide it's doomed it's doomed it doesn't even matter if the thing i've seen it i've seen people get derailed for for much less than this and i've seen people make it through on much bigger things than this now that being said the the married guys on this podcast will say you know if if we were talking to the dude we would say dude you are doing it awesome you are doing this thing the right way and you are you are on the pathway to getting out from underneath this thing which is exactly what you're going to want to be you do not you do not want to carry this thing into your marriage you want to get you don't you don't want to wound this you want to kill it and that's the way Amen. that we would talk to this guy now i the reason i say that is we want you to know that we have your back on on one thing that's very important which is n- even though pornography is completely pervasive, like Jed's saying, getting the perspective that basically anybody that you know has either experienced it or is fighting their way through it or whatever, um, or is completely and totally, you know, in in the middle of it and not working through it at all. um, Even though it's ubiquitous, pervasive, we, we absolutely understand that as the person that is romantically involved with this guy, it makes you feel like crap. We understand that. And, uh, and, and and you know I, and i'm sorry about that and it it would make me feel like crap too and there's a lot of emotional stuff that you need to be free to express to this dude in a way that he understands where you're coming from, because he's going to want to factor that into his fight to get through this thing. Because yes, you guys, you don't want to carry this into your marriage, and he's going to want to kill this dead. And, and I'll say, as, as Jed's saying, this guy is doing it right. This is the way to do this thing. This is the way to go about it. It's the only way to fix it. Getting super emotional about it and deciding, I'll never do it again. That's not the way to stop. Um, but if th-
3: if I have a bunch of tears when I say I'll never do it again,
2: does that does that make it better or more effective? More tears uh, makes it more better. Absolutely not. Okay, okay. <laughs> that makes absolutely no difference. It doesn't matter how guilty you feel. You know, ramp everything up to to fifty. It doesn't but matter. What if it's a lot of guilt? Right. I if mean, it's a lot. More like, guilt is more better. Um, no, so, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, so yeah, this, the, he's doing this, the, uh, to me, the only way this is going to work, this is the, this is the way he's doing it. But yes, we are going to want to kill this dead. It doesn't mean your marriage is doomed, but to be clear, if, when you think about this thing, if it makes you feel like crap, I want you to hear me say, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And you need Amen. to be able to say that to him. And Amen. we do not want anybody to carry this into your marriage. But, um, but this does. This has. That being said, this has not doomed you from the start. Absolutely, Glenn.
1: (laughs) Well, I agree a thousand percent with everything's been said here. You've already got some really good wisdom on it. I, I like. I agree with these guys. I like the idea of preparing for this marriage. I like the idea Uh of we're we're looking at stuff and saying, I think this stuff needs to be dealt with before we get into marriage and i think it's okay even to say you know we can we can understand that we're sort of pre-engaged or whatever engaged to be engaged or whatever but we don't want to announce things and we don't want to start planning things till we get over uh, certain things i think that's great uh uh i think it's uh, and i agree with Jed. i think you you need to have list two of your stuff uh for you to be working on yes. uh and you may uh, you may find a lot of stuff that's not as scary sounding yeah. as porn. That could be just as destructive, if not more, long yeah. term. So I think let's uh, you know widen our perspective. And let me just very quickly say this while 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 I'm at this point. Um, here's what you need to know: If you're an American writing this question, and you're part of American culture, um, here's what you need to know: Americans are just crazy insane obsessed with sex yeah it's just you need to know that about yourselves that anytime you have a thought or feeling about sex sort of in the public sphere or whatever it's overcooked yeah you have just you need to just take it down about three pegs yeah yes this is wrong but it couldn't doom anything (laughs) this is dumb and it makes you feel like crap and therefore we should stop it absolutely right point very well taken on the other hand it's pictures of naked people yeah that's it yeah okay so let's you know there's a, a there's a point where we have to um sort of check ourselves and get a bit of perspective on it um uh, and i agree with these guys I, I like the idea that we're fighting it but i think the key thing that you're looking for and i think these guys hinted at this the key thing that you're looking for is learning about it. You want yeah. your you don't want your man coming back to you and saying, I know I'm free forever because I prayed and yeah. I felt yeah. my yeah. spirit <laughs> moved and I wept and then I did a thing and then I danced a jig and now I know I'll never do porn again. Uh, no, uh-uh. here's what it is. Uh, if he comes back and says, you know what, I realize I'm doing porn when I'm lonely yeah. or right. when stressed I'm out. depressed. Yeah, something like that. And I, So that's my trigger. Yeah. So I, what I'm working on is whenever I know I'm having that trigger, then I'm gonna do something different. And I've worked out what that something different is. And you can hold me accountable when you know I'm depressed, if that's my trigger or if I'm stressed out and that's my trigger, you can remind me to use my other thing that I'm going to do, maybe that's exercising, Mm -hmm. or maybe that's playing a video game or whatever it is, you can remind me to do my other uh, uh, deal, and I'll, Uh, that way we can help each other out. And you can tell me your thing and that's your trigger and I can help you with yours. And this is, as these guys are suggesting, this is awesome marriage prep stuff. Yeah. If you can work on stuff that's part of your lifestyle, part of your personality, and you can transform that in a way that's solid and permanent and no one's going nuts, no one's stressing out, no one's crying, no one's whatever, where it's just solid learning and growing, that's as good as it gets. Last point I make about this is, uh, I totally agree. Porn doesn't doom anything, but I do think um, he needs to have a perspective on why he's interested in in the porn. Uh, and I think that you know part of it is wrecking for for him is recognizing that the thing about porn is you're a hundred percent in control of it. You, in other words, the the internet's always in the mood to give you sexual content. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't That's have, the
0: slogan of the internet. Yeah, they always there's, ready.
1: There's no foreplay uh, on the internet. They, there's no, you don't have to you know give it some wine and put on some. You music. never oh, buy it. these flowers. Yeah. There's
0: the details. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, uh, <laughs> lest we learn too much about someone.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the, the, that's the thing about uh, uh, that's different about a relationship. But what he needs to know is two things. Uh, and 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 maybe this is part of what you can give him perspective on. He right now it's a choice be, between something that is fake, shallow and unsatisfying. Uh-huh. It's pleasing, obviously, where we sure. wouldn't. Do, but it's not satisfying. That's why you're obsessed with it. If you were satisfied, then you'd just be satisfied, and you wouldn't, you know, whatever. You would. Uh, you, your your choice is between something unsatisfying and. Uh, ultimately shallow and fake versus the real thing. Yep. Take five seconds and think about which of those two you want.
0: Yep. Mm -hmm. The
1: second thing is to recognize that this control piece might be something you're concerned about in your relationship with your lady. What if I'm in the mood and she's not in the mood? I'm in the mood a lot. Yep. I think maybe my lady wouldn't be in the mood that often. Mm -hmm. Well, if you ask her, you might find out a little bit different. Sure. Uh, But you also can work out, we're not going to get into graphic details, but you can also work out what happens if I'm in the mood and you're not in the mood, and how do we deal with that, and how do we uh, negotiate that. Uh, There's a lot of... um, you, what you guys can't see... Is I'm going to start
0: bringing a rolled-up news <laughs> table to smack you people on the nose with when you start, start Behind the scenes, there's there's
1: lots of uh, 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 miming and uh, uh, yeah, pantomiming happening here. Uh, but yeah, the, you can uh, negotiate those things out, and it can give you that sense of confidence that your sexual needs will be met within yeah. your marriage, and you yeah. don't have to turn to these things.
0: That's a great point. One thing I'll throw on real quick at the end here, a couple of things. First of all don't hear us telling you you're not allowed to break up with someone. You're yeah. not married. You're not engaged. You can break up with yeah. someone for whatever reason you want to. Yeah. Calm what down. we're saying is if, you're, if your goal is to find someone who's never struggled with anything, you will be alone forever. Good luck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, the other thing, real quick, I'll tag on there. There is, we've talked a lot about how porn cannot do a marriage. That's totally right. There is one aspect of porn that can really screw up your married sex life, which is real people don't act like that. Yeah. Yeah. Let us be very clear that pornography is a form of entertainment not a documentary i'm sure one of the great things about going to older guys who've dealt with this is i'm sure he's hearing that point early and often but we want to make sure that that's part of unraveling the whole porn thing is real women don't look like that or act like that and to expect them to would actually put a real crimp in your marriage yeah right you move on to our last question here it came in anonymous with our tumblr it says what does giving it to god mean Lots of people use that term when they talk about overcoming issues in their lives, but I don't really understand how that works or how to do it. Lee, can you kick us off?
2: Yeah, this is an awesome question. This is incredible. I love questions like this because um, there are so many things that in the Christian culture that you hear people say. And you don't necessarily, nobody, like, you know, somebody says it and everybody, you know, a preacher says it and everybody in the room is going, mm, mm-hmm, amen, whatever. Or that somebody writes it in a book and other- somebody else is reading the book and they highlight the book or they tweet that thing from the book and nobody knows what it means. Um, this is what you typically hear, ref- you hear people refer to Christianese. In other words, this is a language we speak as Christians. Uh, we give it to God. And this is, a, this is a great example of that, that just, you know, oh, you're feeling bad about that thing. Man, you just need to give it to God, dude. You just need to, you know, yeah, Jed, bro. Jed, Jed you know, I mean, you just need to give it to God. I think that's your problem. You just need to give it to God. Man, I'm so glad you mentioned that. That hadn't occurred to me at all. That completely solves my problem immediately. <laughs> exactly. It's just like when somebody <laughs> Always says...
0: Always disregard spiritual advice that ends in bro.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, man, if you just, uh, you just get in the word, man, just get in the word. Yeah. Wow, it never occurred to me before that I should read the Bible. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so, I, I, you know, this giving it to God is one of these things. And so I love the idea of saying, okay, everybody, every you know, time out, everybody stop. Somebody break this down for me. What does this mean? Um, <clears throat> I think for me, one of the things that, that, that this idea means, giving it to God, this refers to you've got a problem that, that is too big for you you've got a problem that you can't solve that you've got an issue that you don't know the way out of and our typical response in the middle of something like that is to a freak out b yep. run around like crazy doing whatever we can you know pulling our hair out doing uh, you know uh, coming up with as many plans as possible executing those as fast as we can and then basically just solving it on our own wisdom not stopping long enough to do any thinking about it, praying about it, consulting about it, but just, I just have to be doing something. I need to worry about yeah. it, and I need to do something about it as fast as possible, and I'm going to run as fast as I can about that. And I think that one thing that I've learned about this idea of giving it to God, I don't know if I use that phrase, but it, in my life, you, you know, when I'm when I'm coming up against a struggle that is overwhelming, I don't know what to do with... I just take some time to stop. And for me, I, I like to take a walk. I just like to take a walk or I like to, you know, sit, sit down, put some music on. And I just simply say those things to the Lord. Here's my situation, it is too big for me. Um, a phrase I've heard Glenn say a lot is uh, this thing I'm about to do, I don't have it, I don't yeah. have what it takes. I, yeah. I've, I've physic- I, I don't have – I'm not smart enough to handle this situation. Mm-hmm. I don't have the cleverness. I don't have the ideas. I don't even have a multiple choice list in my head of the, of the pathway I should take forward on this. I, don't, I simply don't know what to do. Um, and so rather than run around like a chicken with its head cut off trying to solve this problem in a million different ways just to be doing something, I'm just going to stop. I'm just going to stop and I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to give me some wisdom. I'm going to call somebody that, that has a strong walk with Jesus. I'm going to talk to them about it. I'm going to pray about it a whole bunch, and I'm going to be real honest about the fact that I don't know what I'm doing. I think that probably when, when Christian folks are talking about giving it to God, I hope at least that they mean something like that, which is admitting that you don't have what it takes, being real honest about that, being you know not having to dress it up, like, Lord Jesus, I, you know, I, I I, just know, I know that what I probably need to do is I, I probably just need to, I, I probably just need to give up my own desires. You know, if I just gave up my own desires, then, then that would be the way forward. You know, trying to, trying to, uh, you know, turn up the level of Christian on our response and how we handle mm-hmm. things to solve the problem. Because, you know, like if I suffer more than that means I'm handling it cor- correctly, or if I turn up, the, the heat on how impossible something can be, that means I'm handling it well. Rather than all that, just stopping and being very honest about the fact that I don't have what it takes. I don't have the wisdom for this. And the great thing is that when you look at scripture, you find that you find like Paul saying in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, he says, look, I delight in these kind of situations. I'm I am glad when I am faced with a situation that proves that I am weak. He said, "Because Jesus has said to me that His grace is sufficient for me, and that His power is perfected in my weakness." So I, he said, "So I, I love situations where I'm in over my head. I love that stuff because that's when Jesus' power is made most evident." And so I think that's that's a good place to start, anyway, on on looking at this, what you know, what it means to give it to God.
0: Totally,
1: Glenn? Hey, Amen. I the, the tough thing about answering this question, of course, is that. Uh, we're describing something uh, mystical. This is a yeah. this is a spiritual. This is an element of our spiritual lives. So, how do you describe something happening on a spiritual level in words that make sense to other people? It's kind of uh, semi-impossible to do. The only way I can think of describing it is sort of uh, giving a physical example that will allow you to picture it. Maybe not unlike um how you would do with uh uh you know a parable or something like that so think of it like this a uh, picture in your mind uh, and this is kind of the way i do it so hopefully this will work for you but Im- imagine a stone altar like maybe a big stone table is standing in front of you and you have this thing that you want to give to the lord that you want to not be part of your life that might be a worry as Lee was talking about it might be a lust thing like we just finished talking about uh, it might be an anger thing that you don't want to carry anymore it's, it's not necessarily stuff that's just sinful it's sure uh, uh, or whatever it's just stuff you don't want to be carrying anymore sure. the thought process that's overwhelming you whatever those things are so if you if if you have that let's say it's a worry for example like Lee was talking about you go to the to, to that uh, um, stone altar, and you sort of reach inside of your heart and you pull that worry out of, out of your heart. Uh, and when you do, you'll feel it sort of, uh, hanging on and trying to, uh, (laughs) you know, hanging on by its fingernails there, you know, as you're trying to rip it out and you put that, uh, you put that worry on that altar. Uh, and then this is the key part. You release it uh, and that's key. We have a lot of things we're struggling with, a lot of things we talk to God about, but we don't really release them. So we we take it out of our, pull that out of our heart, we put it on that stone altar, but then we take our hands off of it. And then the third step in that process is we ask God to take that away. Uh, so if you think about sort of that Old Testament altar where they would, you know burn up the sacrifices or whatever, said so that He uh, you know, totally consumes and and takes away, that worry. Now here's what we find is we were sort of giving up that worry in a general sense, but then we find out there were, we realized at that point we've, we, um, there was a part of this thing that we were worried about in a way we didn't really realize we were worrying about it. So I have to go back in there and kind of pull that thing out. And then you realize, well, that worry was kind of hiding another worry. Mm-hmm. And you got to pull that thing out and then you wake up tomorrow and you start feeling worried all over again. Then you got to give that up. Yeah. So I think Christians, when they talk about giving things up to the Lord, they they're picturing a one time process or something that does not work for me. That's not how my life works. Maybe I'm a really weak Christian or something. Uh, but, uh, uh, what we're talking about is a continuous process of take, taking that, uh, pulling that out of our chest, chest, uh, releasing it, allowing God to take that away. And then asking God to put something else in that spot, whatever that. If if I'm if I'm uh, if it's worry, what I want is to have uh, some wisdom on how God's going to deal with that. I want some strength so that I don't go back to that worry. I want some peace so I don't freak out about it. Maybe a little bit of joy. I got all I got a whole cocktail of cool stuff that I know I'm going to need, and I'm asking God to kind of plant that in my heart in that space where I uprooted that. Uh, thing that I that worry that I had. So I think that's the way I think of it. And that's the way I sort of picture it in my mind. And it's the only way I can think of to describe it in physical terms. But hopefully that gives you an idea.
3: Absolutely, Jed. Well, both these brothers have actually done a great job of breaking this down for you. Let me offer you just kind of one more uh, very similar way of looking at it. Uh, even uh, secular counselors, um, when they're helping people who have experienced a loss in their life, maybe uh, someone close to them has passed away, uh, they talk about the concept of grief work. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they that they mean by that is that you have this huge, huge. A Pool of kind of confusion and emotion and grief that you mm-hmm. need to process through in your brain right. But you cannot do it all at once um, right. your brain would explode and as Lee was describing When we're worried when we're afraid it tends to want to be just think about nothing, but me until it's fixed mm-hmm. um, right. Which which doesn't work so what counselors including secular counselors encourage people to do is they say think of your grief as a box That right. sits on a shelf and once every day, maybe if that's too much, once every week, you take that box out, you take the lid off of it, and you look at what's inside. You, you think through how you feel about the fact that this person is gone, you, you think through what your life will look like without them uh, here anymore, you feel that sadness and that discouragement and that loss, and you set a time limit. Maybe that's ten minutes, maybe it's an hour, maybe it's somewhere in between. But at the end of that time, you put the lid back on that box, and you put that grief box back on the shelf and you leave it there until it's right. time to open the box again right. and then you get up and you go about the rest of your life right. that's very very similar to giving something up to god it's a very similar process here's with that in mind here's how giving it up to god works is you say you have this huge intractable big problem in your life you know it's the holidays maybe you're struggling with the fact that your family has a lot of issues and you have a lot of grief about that and, and a lot of I don't know what I'm supposed to do, and I want to be a good witness to them. I want to love them, but I also want to punch them, and I don't right. really know what do I do with all of that. Well, in a similar way, giving it up to God means saying, God, I have this heavy burden weighing on me. It's like I'm carrying around a big bag of rocks everywhere I go. And what I'd like us to do is... Maybe once a day, I want us to take 10 minutes, God, you and me, and I want us to sit down and I'm going to set that bag of rocks down and I want us to open it and look inside of it. I want mm-hmm. you to give me wisdom about, um, Uh, how am I supposed to love these people? How am I supposed to treat them? What does it mean to be a Christian in this kind of situation? Maybe I need to go get some wisdom from an older Christian or a pastor to help advise me. Um, I need you to to help me to work through forgiveness uh, for the way these people have treated me. But at the end of that time, I'm going to close the bag, but I'm going to ask God for you to carry it Mm. for the rest of the day. Rather than me hauling this bag of rocks around and being weighed down by it, God, I want you to carry that bag of rocks. Now tomorrow, same time same place we're gonna set that bag down again and open it again and look at it again we're gonna get in it and I'm gonna try and get you to give me more wisdom and more um, help and help me work through that forgiveness but at the end of that I want you to be the one carrying that bag of rocks because I got other stuff that I got to do I've got other things you're asking me to do and if I'm carrying a huge bag of rocks around I can't do any of those things I'm weighed down I'm slowed down um, and I know it doesn't need to be that way because you're willing to carry it for me so we're gonna each day we're we're gonna sit down together open. Open that bag, look at what's inside, talk it through, but then you're going to be the one carrying it, not me. I'm going to let you hold that weight, and I'm not going to think about it or worry about it again until the next day when we look at it again. That's what uh, grief counselors um, would, would describe, and I think it's a very similar process here.
0: It's a lot of good stuff. All right, we appreciate you listening. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com or thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. Remember, in the month of December, if you sign up for either Bridgebox, missionusa.com slash bridgebox, or our special Lee Younger Bridgebox, missionusa.com slash bbly, you'll get a free six-song EP of original and some reworked Christmas songs. Thanks for listening. We love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it.
1: Oh, help me, pretty lady. (laughs)